This is Will Montgomery, former Washington Redskins center. Yo, what's good, folks? This is Trey Johnson, the headbanger, yo. And you're listening to Mess Hall with Rally Captain and Tailgate Ted. Word. What's going on, Rally? How you doing, man? Yo, Trey Johnson always gets me up when he said the headbanger because I'm hoping that this Sunday he bangs some Seahawks heads. Let's get it, Ted. I'm right there with you, man, and I'm sure Trey would be too. One of these days, we got to have him on the show. Remind me to shoot him a text because I miss working with that guy. Did a show with him at the NFLPA years ago, and that was a ton of fun. Seems like it would be, man. Yeah, Trey loves him some hip-hop, man, so I would make sure all of our intros and outs for the show were all like hip-hop stuff. So it was, it's definitely a good time cutting up some songs for him. But yeah. speaking of good time, man, did I tell you that I ran into Mike from Don't Sleep this past weekend? You did tell me briefly that you did, and uh, you didn't recognize him or he, he, something to that I've, effect. I've never met him before. So it's all just been emails, text messages, DMs. And on the website, there's no pictures of Mike. It's just pictures mm -hmm. of the drinks. And speaking of which, don'tsleepenergy.com. Make sure to use promo code DMV Mess Hall. But got a chance to meet the guy, and it was a good time, man. Definitely a good dude. I mean, you've actually been to his spot before picking up some stuff. So, I mean, I'm kind of yeah. jealous you had a chance to interact with him more than me. Nice crib, too. Nice crib. Don't forget, guys, DMV Mess Hall for the, for the code save off on your on your don't sleep energy drinks apparel he's got hoodies he's got t-shirts he's got hats i mean it's all around good product so i definitely am going to need some because uh i've been up since two o'clock this morning and uh i'm fading so mike come to the rescue brother <laughs> We'll definitely have to get Mike to hook up some more. And then you're going out to Seattle. For those wondering, it's Wednesday the 8th. It's 6 yeah. o'clock right now. And you're leaving for Seattle, what, uh, Thursday, Friday this week? Tomorrow afternoon. I'll be nice. in the air this time tomorrow. There you go. So if anyone's listening to this, make sure you tweet Rally. Safe travels tomorrow and bring home that dub. And I'm assuming you got some don't sleep little uh, red berry shots to put in that travel case. Definitely do, man, because uh, – I need it. <laughs> hey, man, it's rough being a rally captain. And as it says, don't sleep. I don't need to sleep. Trust and believe. I need to stay awake for everything that I have got that I have going on for these next couple of days. Well, I'm right there with you, man. I, I tell everyone that I just sleep during the off season, which is a lie because usually I'm at the beach <laughs> hanging out. But, you know, Mike stuff definitely helps get us through. And curious. While you were hanging out 2 o'clock in the morning at work, did you get a chance to hear Chase Young's uh, press conference over there in San Francisco? I did not. So Chase uh, had a couple of parting shots on his press conference with the San Fran reporters. And I can't say I'm surprised. To me, part of what Rivera and the staff didn't like about him was kind of his immaturity, why they didn't want to take his fifth-year option. I don't know if 100% was all because of the leg. I think part of it was just because of his dedication. He, you know, famously said, I'm skipping OTAs, and I'm paraphrasing, but he was out filming commercials instead after winning Defensive Rookie of the Year instead of coming to practice with his teammates. And I get that it was voluntary practice, but to me, that's just kind of been Chase's brand, where he's just all out for Chase. And if the play's not going his way, he just kind of gives up on it. But one thing that did surprise me 
I felt that the commanders kind of did him wrong. Guess how he found out that he got traded? Well, I did hear uh, through different media outlets that he heard via the internet. So versus versus, versus uh, uh, you know, eye to eye, if you will. This is actually what Chase had to say about it. Did you get a heads up that uh, that the trade could occur? And what was your reaction when it finally went down? Now, honestly, I got everything off social media, just like you guys. Um, because you know, I'm just playing my game, and it happened. And to be fair, I don't know how Montez found out that he got traded. I'm just kind of surprised that it went down that way to just not even give the kid a heads up like, hey, you know, we appreciate everything you've done for us here. We wish you all the best in San Francisco. You're being traded and, you know, good luck. Just don't kill us on New Year's Eve. You know, something as small as that, you know, Mm -hmm. doesn't really hurt. And then we heard after the fact that the, the rumor is the commanders leaked out that it was addition by subtraction. You know, some people within the organization said that. And it's just kind of, to me, frustrating to hear that because you feel like we take a couple steps forward as an organization and get rid of some of that bad culture. And then to me, when those stories get leaked out, it seems like some of that bad culture is still here. And saying things about players behind their backs after the fact when they can't defend themselves, I felt like that was a a Bruce Allen dan snyder move and those two have been gone for a while but it still seems like Mm. it's still happening here that's just my thought what's on you i I think that it's the the whole business of sports period i mean i don't know how many times i've heard players saying that hey uh, my buddy just saw on instagram that i got traded or whatever have you before the agent even had the time to talk to him so uh, I, I think it's just the way of the world right now man and as far as pot shots are concerned you know once again i don't think anyone has anything nice to say when you find out that you've been traded even though the writing may have been on the wall the rumor mill the bird was chirping however you want to look at it um i think that people tend to clap back a little bit if you will when they find out like that i know i probably would have i don't think that i would have gone easy you know so to speak but then again what else can you do just thank him and move on act like you're mature and not come out and talk somewhat trash about your former team because guess what you're a free agent in nine days or nine games and people might not want you and obviously, a ton of people didn't want you because you only got a third-round conditional pick or comp pick, and there weren't really a ton of offers for you. So I just shut up and play. But I don't know. That's just me. But it's not like he got traded to Timbuktu. Like, Montez yeah. got traded to a team that's in the dumps. He got traded to the 49ers, who are most likely making the playoffs and are a contender every year. And this is actually what Chase had to say about the Niners and their details. Seeing the 49ers from afar, obviously they've been deep in the playoffs. I'm sure you probably have watched them. You've seen them a little bit on film because you don't play them a lot. But the expectations you had before getting here and now being amongst the guys, I know you haven't played a game, but, but has anything changed or affirmed what you thought before about the Niners? The culture. Um, I see why they win. Um, just the details of uh, each play, the details of my assignment. Uh, much more greater. 
Um, so I, I see why they win. That sounded like a little jab at Del Rio there, talking about the details of his assignments and his plays. And, hey, it, it might be better. That, that could be why San Fran is a better team and our defense isn't doing too well. But one thing I found or that I saw and heard that seemed interesting was when they interviewed John Allen and a bunch of the other existing commanders players about Chase and Tez getting traded, there was no one that seemed to be visibly upset that he was gone. It was almost like, all right, he's gone. Now what type of thing versus a guy that you've been lining up with side by side for four plus years, you think that more would come out and that you would kind of wish him all the best and this and that versus he ain't here anymore. Okay. Let's move on. I mean, what do you want him to say? I mean, I think that they did say, hey, you know, Chase is going to be missed or whatever have you, or or they said something to to the to that effect. But hey, it's, what it all boils down to is it's a business, and at any given time, you can be traded off. That's just how it is. So I don't think that they need to say anything. <laughs> you know, I think I think that it's all been said behind closed doors. As far as the media is concerned, everybody's going to try to spin it their own kind of way to make you feel a certain way. But at the end of the day, I know those guys probably talked offline and said, hey, man, good luck to you. I don't need to say it in the, in the media. It's it's a given, you know, and, it, and it's a business. I hear you, man. I hear you. I, I would expect, you know, some more praise for the kid, something like that, especially from a team captain. And I, I didn't hear that, and I didn't see anyone else give it either. But you won't hear us talk about Chase until that Niners game coming up. Yep. And yep. today, Rivera, they talked to him about his comments, and Rivera took the high road and just said, I wish him all the best out there in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of going from there. So yeah, I, I hope he does well out there in San Fran. I got a bunch of family out in California that are asking me questions about him. And, you know, I sent them a couple of uh, – articles and things like that about him and now he's someone else's problem and hopefully he does well but speaking of problems the seahawks are our problem this week that's right and we're going up there and they're five and three so they just got crushed by the ravens last week baltimore mm -hmm. well, i think they put up 37 on them it was something ridiculous the three uh, yeah yeah crazy was, yeah 37 to three i mean they just got beat and I don't know if part of that is the West Coast team flying out to the East Coast and blah, blah, blah. But fact of the matter is they didn't do too well. And they are a contender in the NFC playoff race. We put a tweet out. You said it last show. We're still in the thick of it. We're four and five. They're five and three. We're fighting with them for a playoff spot. So realistically, if we want to be a contender and actually do something, we got to take these guys down. I'm curious, knowing that they're five and three, giving you kind of a plus or minus five, where do you think they are on the NFL power ranking list? Which team? Seattle or Commanders? The Seahawks. Um, five and I'll say mid midway, maybe 16, 15, something like that. There you go, man. You got it. So giving you plus or minus five, they are 12th right now. Okay. And it's saying things look fine for a bit in Baltimore, and then the avalanche hit. 
The Ravens even gave the Seahawks two fumbles in the first half, but Seattle scored zero points off the turnovers, with Geno Smith fumbling the second possession right back to Baltimore. It's getting harder to look past Smith's scuffles as he's now logged eight turnovers in his past four starts. It's certainly not all on him. His offensive line struggled, and Seattle's defense produced plenty of face palm players jumping off sides on fourth and one and missing umpteen tackles. But to me, Smith's cold snap cracks the door on a discussion of whether Pete Carroll would have to consider going to Drew Locke at some point. We're not there yet. The next two are winnable. However, a daunting 49ers, Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles cluster awaits between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So looking back at Seattle's wins this season, they beat, Who they beat? They beat the Lions 37 to 31. That was in week two. The Lions, they're a contender. Let's be yeah. real. They beat the Panthers, who are straight trash. They beat the Giants. We all know what the Giants are. Mm -hmm. And they beat the Cardinals. And they beat the Browns. And this was a Browns team without Deshaun Watson. So are the Seahawks middle of the pack? I think that's maybe because the NFC is just so bad right now. But Geno Smith doesn't look like the same Geno Smith from last year. Geno last year had, looking at the numbers, 11 turnovers, 11 picks the entire year. He's had seven interceptions so far, and they've only played eight games. So hmm. it's not the same Geno that we saw last year taking Seattle to the playoffs and actually, you know, making a big uproar. They're susceptible right now. It's not the same Seattle team that we've historically had issues with. We haven't actually been out to Seattle since 2017. And did you go out to that game? I was out there. Yes, indeed. We were playing. They were basically replacement players. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we were our O line was was banged up, and we we had brought in I think two two guys off the street that had never taken a snap with us, and we wound up winning that game. It was Kirk Cousins to uh, to Dotson, and not Jahan Dotson either. It was the other Dotson, and Josh, um, Josh Dotson. That's right, JD, and uh, he caught the bomb from Kirk Cousins to put us in position to, to go up and score and that's how we wound up uh beating them d'angelo hall was was playing and and you know what oddly enough for those that remember that game came down to a hail mary basically and they almost almost got it but d'angelo hall snagged it out of the air so uh i got plenty of video of it because it happened in my end zone um so yeah I, I remember that game and and no one gave us a chance in seattle um no Anywhere, one did not just seattle yeah, i don't think yeah. anyone gave us a chance we had three new yeah. offensive linemen and yeah. kirk introduced himself to two of them in the locker room that he hadn't yeah. met before yep i mean fat rob ended up getting a one-yard touchdown to finish that game and i remember because i was in mexico for the game salty as hell but we had a trip planned and we went out to mexico and there was another couple there that was from seattle that we ended up making friends with but when the game came on he was my sworn enemy i mean we're just staring <laughs> at each other from across the bar hanging out just giving each other dirty looks and we ended up winning that game but before we won i remember betting that guy dinner at the resort that we were going to take him down he's thinking it's easy money because 
Should we had five players that were injured, five mm-hmm. starters injured that game. And yeah. it was crazy. It just, that game, it just sticks in my head so much because like you said, no one gave us a chance because we had so many injuries going into that game. And I almost feel that this week, no one's giving us a chance because we beat a bad Patriots team. Let's be realistic. The Pats yep. are not good. Still and, felt good though. Oh, it still felt damn good. <laughs> and I don't want to say we struggled against them because let's be real. We talk about you beat who you beat, but people wanted us to do more against a Mac Jones, just struggling Patriot offense that ended up putting up a bunch of points, the most that they've done all season. And it was just, you know, interesting to see how that panned out. Considering we beat the Pats and we're now four and five, we were previously 27th on the uh, NFL power rankings. Where do you think that moved us now? Where were we last week? We were 27th last week. 27, 25. All right, with these new rules, you got it. We're, we're uh, 26, and I'm kind of We only surprised. went down one spot? That's it. I'm kind of shocked it's just one spot. We're getting no I love. Mean, Sam's putting up numbers. You would think just Sam alone would bump us up a little bit, and maybe it's because of Tez and Sweat being gone, sorry, Tez and Chase being gone, but – it says here, any talk of replacing Sam Howell has rightly dissipated. And he's now strung together two more impressive games on top of the ones he stacked earlier in the year. Who knows how the rest of the season will go? Either way, he should be considered the guy from here on out. Even though Howell is good for at least one regrettable play per game, he's shown the kind of composure and dual threat ability at least a dozen other teams, including the Patriots, whom he vanquished Sunday, will love to have at the QB position right now. The commander's defense also deserves a backpat for turning in a strong team effort after losing its two top pass rushers. Credit to the replacements. There wasn't a massive drop-off in Washington's first game without Montez, Sweat, and Chase Young. I'm just surprised that we got 26th. I have to say that that now that I think about it, I'm not surprised because we are the hot and cold team. And I think what they're waiting for is to see if we can string two together. I think if, if we can string two together, we'll drop we'll drop at least seven to eight spots easily. Maybe maybe even nine, seven to nine spots if we if we can win this game against uh Seattle. I, I, that's what they're waiting on. They're they're saying you really didn't yeah you won but you didn't show us enough you know we know that you guys have sam and we know that you've got i always say it we know you guys have pieces but have you really put it together yet string another one together and then we'll give you your just due i hear you i'm just looking at the other teams ahead of us you got the raiders at four and five i'm sorry we're better than the raiders you got the broncos at three and five we beat the broncos they got crushed by 70 points. I mean, just, at, you know, they're 24th. I, and it doesn't matter. To me, it's just disrespect. Mm-hmm. And, yes, we are consistently inconsistent. Go back and listen mm-hmm. to that pod that we titled. Yeah. But the offense has been consistent. The defense has what's been suspect. And, yes, they had a good game last week. It's just this week. I don't know what to expect. I've got some friends from uh, Fox five coming out for the giants game. And they're asking me to help them out with some tickets. And I found some tickets for them. 
I'm thinking, do I tell them buy the tickets now or wait until Monday? Because depending on what happens in that game, the ticket prices are going to drop. And I just don't know what to tell them, man. I'm, I'm not too sure what to think about this game because Seattle's giving up six and a half points. So, yeah. I mean, if you think we're going to win, hey, you're getting six and a half free points from Seattle. Go to Virginia or Maryland and go place that bet. I'm in D.C. and I can't. So best believe on Friday when I head out to Virginia, I'm going to be opening up FanDuel and putting one in. But yeah. that's a well, big spread, you, man. This is what you tell your friends from Fox. If it's a seat that you really want right, right now, spend the chips. But if you don't care where you sit, just wait. That's yeah. what you tell them. It's right behind <laughs> me. So they're trying to grab seats all together. So okay. I kind of tell them, yeah, you might want to grab it now. But yeah. I, I'm I'm torn, man. But it's like my heart is telling me we can do this, but we're going out to Seattle, East Coast, traveling West Coast. There's all those stats out there about how East Coast teams don't do well out there. It's going to be a rainy game. Shocker. It's going to mm -hmm. rain in Seattle. So yeah. make sure you bring your raincoat or whatever you do out there. Oh, and I'm, I'll, I'll be suited and booted. Seattle's got some wide receivers on their team that are no joke. I mean, DK Metcalf, for one, who actually isn't having the best season. He's been kind of banged up, hasn't really been putting up a ton of numbers. But just the fact that DK is basically the West Coast version of A.J. Brown, just size-wise, mm -hmm. it's a little worrisome. Then they've got Tyler Lockett, and they've got uh, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. So, I mean, their receiving core is no joke. And our secondary has been really what's suspect all season. Oh, I don't want to just say the secondary. I'd say just defense in general. Yeah. I mean, we're giving up on defense in the air 252 yards a game. And mm. they're actually going for 214 yards a game in the air. So, I mean – we're kind of stat-wise not too far off each other, but just knowing what we're going up against out there in Seattle, there's going to be interesting because I feel that the offense can do what it needs to do. The defense is what worries me. Which side of the ball are you most concerned about this week? I'm concerned about defense. Um, Seattle, they have a pretty good running game as well as their passing game. Uh, the only thing that I think is going to help us is their offensive line is a little a, a, a little banged up so we may be able to get home and Gino's not really a, a huge runner he can run if he needs to but he's more of a pocket passer so I think that um, this is a winnable game for us it's just this is the time for the brotherhood to really come together and show dominance. This is the week. Yeah, and looking at Gino's rushing stats throughout this year, he's got 53 yards total on yeah. 22 attempts. So, I mean, you're spot on. He does not run the ball. He doesn't use his legs a ton. But one team that did run the ball was last week, the Ravens. Ravens had, get this, 298 rushing yards against the Seahawks. Mm. I mean, they just killed them on the ground to the point of they actually put their backup quarterback in and gave Lamar some time off because they were just crushing them so bad. And I don't know if we're going to get a chance to see Jacoby because 
we're beating them and by double digits and Sam's getting a break. But the Ravens showed the blueprint on how you deal with these guys. DK didn't light the world on fire. He had one catch for 50 yards. They ran a bunch of read option. They ran a bunch of zone reads. And Keaton Mitchell, I mean, who the hell is this guy? That's their fourth running back over there. He busted Never a 60 yarder. Yeah, neither have yeah. I. And I've got Gus Edwards on my fantasy squad for uh, Baltimore just because they lost uh, what's his face in the beginning of the year. But they're not the best team right now. This isn't your Legion of Boom. All those guys are gone and retired. So I'm not too, I don't want to say I'm not too worried. It's not an insurmountable task to take down these guys. Defense, they're ranked 25th in the NFL. Mm-hmm. We're ranked 28th. They're giving up 354 yards a game. They're giving up 22 points a game. Guess what? We're scoring 22 points a game. So, I mean, if we can stay toe-to-toe with these guys and actually do what we need to do and keep Sam off his ass, I really think we got a shot here. And this is actually a clip of Sam talking about the offensive line adjustments. How have the adjustments to the line helped you? You look more comfortable back there, but how have they helped you? Yeah, I mean, I think they're 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 doing they're doing a good job. You know, I think that that unit up front is is, is starting to gel together, and they're, they put together two really good games. Um, and I think, you know, we're just coming together as a as a whole on offense. And I think we've truly built an identity now on offense. And I think that's that's helping everybody out. Um, you know, we're getting the ball out faster. I'm getting the ball out faster. You know, we're doing some things to get the ball out on the perimeter quick to try to keep those defense linemen you know, from rushing upfield every time. Um, and we're trying to keep those guys off balance. And I think, you know, just obviously those guys are playing well. And I think EB's doing a good job of calling the game to, you know, help everybody out. Um, but I just think we're, we're starting to truly find our identity on offense. We just got to try to continue to grow and get better. Do you follow uh, Mark Bullock on social media? Can't say that I do. So for those of our listeners that don't, give this guy a follow. He does a film breakdown after all the games and before games. And he's got some pretty sweet stuff out there. We played on our last show, Rivera talking about Tyler Larson and having him move from one block, recognizing the blitz, calling out the blitzer. And Mark actually breaks that down in his film footage and just talks about how he's getting to the line and recognizing where the pressure is going to come from immediately and how in the giants game, they got the same type of pressure and Nick Gates or Sam didn't see it. No one called it out. Didn't make an adjustment and Sam just got crushed. So part of it is Larson coming in at center, having that experience, but a part of his article that he put out, I want to say it was today or yesterday, regardless, there's a play he goes over where Sam recognizes that the Pats were in a cover zero blitz and he immediately called an audible. He Mm. has the ability now, and I don't know if he didn't before, but I don't remember watching him do that earlier on the season, but he has the ability now to change the play. And it was a bubble screen to Crowder. Crowder was actually about to go in motion and he saw Sam make a hand gesture because Sam saw the safeties creeping down the line of scrimmage. And he immediately changed the play to Crowder, stay where you are, and threw a bubble screen right to him. 
So he knew that he was going to get the ball out in time before that blitz got there. And these are adjustments that Sam is making because he's starting to get more comfortable and more familiar mm -hmm. with what he's seeing. And the Pats, they blitz seventh fewest in the NFL. Not the Pats, sorry. The Seahawks blitz seventh fewest in the NFL. The Pats, third most in the NFL. So I don't think that he's going to run into a blitz-happy defense that's all of a sudden going to come out of nowhere, that he's going to have issues finding because he's gone against the Giants. We saw how that went. Didn't go too well. He's going to get round two against them. But I think part of that was because of the enemy refusing to properly block and scheme things up. He went against the Pats, and he made adjustments himself. And now he's going to go up against a Seattle team and that defense, while they're good to me, they're not the best out there. They're just kind of average right now. And I think Sam has got enough reps behind him to recognize things mm -hmm. and give him a chance offensively to actually do something. Curious what I you're think, saying. I think that the light bulb has come on finally. When I was a motorcycle instructor, you know, a lot of guys, they just could not grasp the concept of what we were asking them to do. And even though you could demonstrate it to them, they had to go out there and just do it. And it took a lot of error, trial and error with dropping the motorcycle. And I said, hey, the light bulb just hasn't come on yet. But, give, you know, it was a two-week course. And after that, that fifth day, I'd say, the proverbial light bulb came on. And so now here we are going into nine weeks the light bulb is starting to shine very bright in the young man's head and he's getting it from all sides. He's, he's kind of becoming Neo in the matrix where he can see all the sentinels before they get there for my matrix fans out there. I mean, he's, or if you're a star Wars fan, he's starting to feel the force. How about that? If we all watch star Wars, so he's starting to feel the force and becoming and he's becoming a jedi so that's how i he's not a master yet but he he's a, he's becoming a young jedi and i can see it we all see it and i love the fact that he's able to as you said auto, audible out of it because before he was just getting creamed but it also it also goes back to something that that you said you know eb needed to figure out who could spot that those those pressures from where and putting the new center in it Larson it shows and it helps that's what it boils down to man we've got to be able to play team football and these guys are starting to do it on a on a nice high level before I didn't really see a, a pocket form for Sam but now I'm starting to see it yeah I am too and he was averaging, what, four or five sacks a game? Mm -hmm. It's four sacks in two games now. And this is actually what Sam had to say about kind of what's changed. We joked a couple of weeks ago about it being Groundhog Day with the sacks week after week, and then the last two weeks it's it's totally changed. There's been changes on the line, but has something changed with you also as, as maybe your internal clock or, or more play calls to at, at or near the line of scrimmage? Because the numbers are dramatically different. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously it starts with those guys up front. And they're doing a lot better job, and they're, you know, like I said earlier, they're finally, they're gelling as a unit, and they're doing a really good job as far as picking picking up protect, picking up blitzes and being on the same page, and the backs are doing a good job as well. And I think, 
for me, I've tried to improve every single week as far as just getting the ball out of my hands and trying to get down to the checkdowns faster. And I think I've shown improvement in that area every single week. Um, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job of that right now, and I think I've shown that the past two weeks. I just got to try to continue to find ways to improve in that area um, and make it easier on those guys up front. I don't yeah. think if Larson started at center that our record would be drastically different than what it is now because I feel that part of it was enemy being a first-time play caller and having to understand that, hey, you don't have Kansas City that you're calling his place for, even though we're seeing that he is calling basically the same amount of pass plays that he would call for Patrick Mahomes. And this is Sam's first year starting. He is not dumbing down his playbook. He is not dumbing down the offense. He is throwing that kid to the wolves and he's responding. But I feel that now everything's kind of aligning and you've got the better offensive line. Mm-hmm. And it sucks that Sadiq Charles is hurt, but his entire career here, he's been hurt. So you can't really yeah. count on him. It you know sucks that they spent all this money on Nick Gates when you had Larson here. But hey, maybe they had to prove that you don't need this big pricey free agent to come in that can you know have a guy that's already on your staff to do the job. And I don't care who's doing the job just as long as someone's doing it. And it's it's not often that you see a free agent high price free agent get benched for a lesser player salary-wise. It took them how long to do that to William Jackson last year when we all knew and saw that he wasn't good. I mean, how many games did we lose because of him? That embarrassing Dallas game is what did it. After that, he was, he was con and that game was embarrassing. And, and it, it goes back to what we've always said, and I'm gonna I'm gonna nail this into everybody's head. You got to be able to put the pieces together in the puzzle, and we're still haven't gotten the puzzle figured out yet. But I'll be doggone, the edges are starting to come together, and I can see that picture now. I can see the the colors are are are, are matching and bonding, and and it's just a matter of when the light bulb comes on for everyone, not just Sam, for everyone that we will have a better team. And I think you're going to see it. If not this game, the next game, but I believe the, I believe you're going to see more than a flicker. This game, you're going to see that sucker shining bright at sometimes in other times it may flicker, but for the most part, I'm hoping that that light bulb is bright, not just on Sam, but, everyone on the offense and even that defense, that defense, the light bulb could come on. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping it can. Yeah. And for the defense, was it a one hit wonder with Forbes? You know, the team tweeted out how he got a 91 in PFF rankings. I'm, I'm telling you, they listened to us and everyone's praising the kid. But once again, it was against a inept Patriots offense. Yeah. So what's Forbes going to do this week? Jamin Davis took a step back. We saw Jamin be a baller against the Falcons and then basically be non-existent against the Patriots. And everyone's praising him for breaking up that pass. If Mac Jones would have actually put a little more air on that ball on that wheel route, that would have been six. Jamin just luckily got to it because Mac underthrew it. So there's just a lot of parts here right now. And knowing that they got a banged up offensive line, is this a chance for 
our new youth movement defensive line to actually step up and get to Gino because you mentioned it. Gino doesn't move. I mean, he he scrambles around that pocket kind of, but he doesn't really move. And I'm seeing here on Pro Football Focus, 73% of the plays, passing plays, no play action. So to me, you know what he's doing when you're rushing and you're blitzing. You're not going to be fooled by any play action. They call 27% play action passes. They've only called 22 screens the entire year. So it's not like they've been a screen-heavy team. And part of that is situational and what's going on. But to me, if I'm a defense, I kind of know what to prepare for now, knowing that what their tendencies are. And from mm-hmm. a passing depth perspective, a majority of his throws, almost half, are between zero and nine yards on the line of scrimmage. That is, to me, we got killed on slants last week. And we typically get killed on slants anyway. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it's because they're worried about getting beat over top, so they're yeah. just giving up the underneath. I'm sure ben that's definitely break. a big part of it. Yeah. Ben, don't break, yeah. But we can see their tendencies. I know the defense can see their tendencies, and Jack Del Rio showing this to him, even though Chase said his game plan wasn't really all detailed. It's time to step up. It's time to actually prove that you guys can do something. And like you said, let's go back to back, you know, for a change. Let's stop being dictated to, and let's dictate to the Seahawks, just like what the Ravens did this past week. Definitely. And and if you're listening, which we know that you are, keep running from the eye. Keep running Amen. from the eye, guys. With that Five trust times and believe. last week, that's it. Yep. But keep running from the eye, and it'll work because you, you, you're going to show them something different than what typically typically you don't see from the commander's offense. I'd love to see some eye. I'd love to see some pistol. I mean, mm-hmm. they had – and Sam Howell is not Lamar Jackson, not even close by any means. But mm-hmm. we saw what Sam did on that 23-yard run on third down. He's got some legs. He knows how to use them. And <laughs> I hope he slides a little bit. But Lamar carved them up last week in his read option. I mean, mm-hmm. their linebackers were not staying home. Those defensive ends were crashing. We got a chance to exploit them with the run and hopefully open up the pass. But keys for the game for you. What do the commanders have to do to win this game on Sunday? And you come back home with that victory stake. Well, I'll say this first. If we do win this ball game, the victory stake will be had in Seattle. I don't have to rush back. Now let's get back to the keys. The keys need to that, that defense. That that defense, you, you guys have got to work four as one. Um, you really do, and we you can't we we can't get gashed. You know, our, we've got to play complementary football. The linebackers have to complement the defensive linemen as well as the back the back half. Everybody's got to play complimentary football. And if not, Gino will carve us up. We've seen what he can do. And even though he may not be on par to what he was last year, the fact of the matter is he, he can still sling the ball. So we've got to be on par. Jack Del Rio, throw some blitz, more blitzes in. And, and by all means, give those guys a break. Give them a break because they're going to be, be winded. Yeah, you got a new crop of guys in there 
that you can rotate. I feel mm -hmm. that Chase mm -hmm. and Tez, they weren't rotating. It was actually, I can't remember who it was. It was a beat reporter. Might have been Ben Standing, whatever. doesn't really matter. They didn't understand why Chase was getting so many defensive snaps other than the commanders were shopping him around and they wanted to prove that his leg was good. Hmm. Which, with that logic, it kind of makes sense. Even mm -hmm. though he wasn't being productive and he wasn't following your system, you're showing that he's out on the field and he's not hurt. He's just not, you know, the second overall pick in the draft worthy right now. But you've got some young guys, KJ Henry, you know, under all these guys in there, FAO Bada, that you can rotate to get them some snaps and keep them fresh and have them put that pressure because Geno can sling the ball. He had a 328 yard game against Detroit, a 326 yard game against Cincinnati. He threw for 296 against Carolina. I mean, he can throw if he needs to throw. So mm -hmm. don't be fooled. And the triplets they got over there, we already talked about it, DK, Lockett, and Njigba, those guys can get open. I, I'm not as worried about their running game, but for me, we can't lose, lose the turnover battle. We lucked hmm. out last week because we played a bad Patriots team. We had two turnovers. They had one. That interception and that fumble, that B-Rob fumble, I mean, that was just a thing of beauty. But Sam's pick, when he said he was trying to throw it away, you can't do that this week, and especially not on the road. And, man, I was there in 2007 for the playoff game, yeah. and Mike Sellers talked about how it wasn't really that loud in Seattle. We talked about it on the pod before. And they had T-shirts made saying, Mike, can you hear us now? <laughs> well, Nikki Javala asked Sam the loudest place he's played, and Sam said Denver. To me, don't even feed into that because now all they're going to do is play that clip in Seattle for all those 12s to now gear up and make it noisy for them. So the enemy, that offensive line, you guys got to have some quick reads, some just different things to help Sam with that noise and get those plays in there and relay that because this is going to be the most hostile territory he's ever played in. On top of that, he said Virginia Tech was the loudest stadium he's ever played in before. Not just NFL, but everything he's ever played in before. You ever been down to a tech game? No, no. But the, I haven't been to a tech game. However, uh, from, from from the rallies captain's perspective, the loudest stadium was uh, Kansas City, and then a close second was the Superdome or the uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome in New Orleans. So, um, he's played against the Eagles. And the Eagles were pretty darn loud this last go around up and up at the link. So I'm not sure what he's thinking, but hey, I'm not on the field. I can just give you a fan's perspective. The link was pretty loud when they had everything to play for. So these guys, I will say this though, Ted. I know that Seattle says they have a loud stadium, but in 2017, they they weren't the loudest. So maybe they've lost some of their enthusiasm. And what, what I'm hoping, honestly, is that Baltimore gave them a good tenderizing so that we can come in and put the seasoning on them and come back home with a victory. That's what I'm hoping, brother. So the thing is, I, I feel that their stadium is artificially loud because of the layout of the stadium. They've got that tin roof over top, and the sound bounces off that roof 
and right back down to that field. And yeah. there's some different science to it and everything else. And hey, kudos to them for designing that thing. And, you know, they get off on being this and that and the 12s, blah, blah, blah. To me, all you got to do is don't give them anything to cheer about. That mm -hmm. Eagles game at FedEx, it was 60-40 Eagles. But we stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with those guys and didn't give their fans a ton of cheer about until the end of the game. Until if the we end. can do the yep. same thing out there, we got a chance to not even worry about that noise. All we're going to hear is you in the end zone yelling and screaming and hopefully B-Rob jumping into your arms again and Sam throwing you <laughs> that ball out of bounds instead of throwing it right to a Seattle player. Yeah. But I think we got a chance to win this week. But for you, who is your don't sleep player of the game? Who has to have that game for us to make sure that we get that done? Well, this is going to be a split, Ted. It's going to be the defensive secondary coach and Emmanuel Forbes. Darrell Green said, give me 10 minutes with the young man and I can help him. And you guys need to give him some help or he's not receiving the help that he needs. So Emmanuel Forbes, as well as the secondary coach, I need you guys to work together and, and, and get it done because there's going to be a test at hand this weekend. What about you? I was going to go Forbes, but I'm going to change it up. Okay. I need, I need that defensive line to show okay. what they can do without Chase and without Montez. Yeah. And Mac Jones got rid of that ball so fast, you couldn't get any pressure on him. But regardless, they didn't do well last week against them. Now you got a chance to go after Geno, who isn't going to throw the ball away that much, so isn't going to get rid of the ball in one, two seconds. He holds on to it for a little bit. He had a bunch of balls batted down this past week. You got to help your secondary. You got to get a pass rush because mm -hmm. like we saw against the Eagles, freaking uh, Hertz is scrambling around and you got guys covering for four or five seconds. I'm sorry, Daryl Green can't cover for six, seven seconds. So yeah. help your secondary out this week, defensive line. Get up there. Put your hands up in the air. Get some pressure on Gino. Get in his face. Make him feel your presence. To me, if John and Duran really want to be the best part of this defensive line that's still around here, prove why you guys are going to get paid almost $50 million next year and that you're worth it. And this is the game to do it. They're banged up. They've got some hurt guys on that offensive line. Get that pressure up the middle that not even Tom Brady could handle. And we all know Gino ain't even close to it. And we got a chance to actually win this game this week. But from mm -hmm. a prediction perspective, six and a half point dogs. What are you thinking? Oh, well, I'll take those points. To, and I say the commanders are going to win. Without, I, without I, the I, points, what are you thinking? Straight up. I feel, what, I feel without the points straight up that we're going to win this game. And that's just not, maybe that's Homer. Maybe, maybe that's just intuition. I just feel that it's time for us to make our mark. And what a better game to do it than away in Seattle. Stop the naysayers. Get it done. I feel we, we're going to win it. I don't know what point spread or anything like that. But I don't care if it's by one as long as we win. I hear you, man. I Part of me wants to pick us. The other <laughs> part is just, I need to see consistency from the secondary before I can do that. And just knowing 
just how big a challenge DK Metcalf is going to be, a healthy DK Metcalf. For our guys, I don't think I can take us this week, but I hope I'm wrong. I really All do. Right. And I hope you're All right. right. I, I hope I'm right, too, because I've already got my reservation set for my steak dinner. <laughs> so do you just cancel it if we lose, or what do you do? You just don't take a picture of it. Damn skippy, I do. I cancel <laughs> if we lose. <laughs> I, I sure mean, do. You can order fish at the steakhouse or something instead. You don't got to get the steak. Ain't, ain't going to happen, Chief. <laughs> I'd rather go to the bar and have me a couple of shots and, and drink my misery away than, then, uh-uh, you ain't getting my, no, uh-uh. If I go to a steakhouse, best believe the captain's eating steak. Best believe that. I hear you, man. <laughs> I hear, well, I'm hoping you're eating steak, and I'm hoping I'm eating steak on Sunday night, man. Yeah, man, yeah. Well, hey, man, I hear that music being played in the background, and I tell you guys, that let's all of us know that this episode of the Mess Hall is coming to a close if you're coming to Seattle, there will be a fan rally at Art, Mobile, Art Marble. Uh, it's going to be from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Come out. Hey, say hi. Take pictures. Uh, I believe Brian Mitchell and Santana Moss are going to be there. So get an autograph from them. Ask them plenty of questions. They love they love to answer those questions and feel important. And uh, remember, you rep it hard, but you don't rep it at all. Rally captain tailgate Ted. We're going to be Sam. Ciao.